Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, like it, just right now, just in terms of like you know how you get that that good feeling. He feels a lot like in terms of what his potential. He feels like Yannick, but like you said, uh, you, we we gotta wait. You know, you gotta reserve your judgment on these guys, especially as Jags fans. But um, he has been impressing. So, uh, lastly on the stock up, I had to group them all together because they've all looked good so so good collectively. And that is Nick Foles and the receivers. Um, now, the things they are showing has transferred from minicamp and OTAs into training camp. And the things they are showing furthermore are things that you believe that you, these basically these are things you could take from now and you can put your faith that it's going to happen into the preseason. Now, I'm not saying the Jaguars offense or their passing game is going to be, you know, top. 10-ish, you know, maybe that'll be a bold prediction down the road as well out of me. You never know with me. But from what I'm seeing and hearing again and, and reading, these guys, and a, a lot of it that goes back to the quarterback position and ball placement and the ball being on time and consistency. Uh, so that that has really helped them. That being said, I'm, I'm going to say this right now. I don't understand why people are worried about the wide receiver position. And I think I've said that before, me and Jacob. Well, at least I did when me and Jacob were, were on a podcast in, the, what, two weeks ago or something like that. That being said, yeah, I don't understand where this concern for the wide receiver position is coming from. D.D. Westbrook has been linking up with Nick Foles like crazy. Uh, especially, I mean, like he looks like he's going to probably hit a thousand yards if you're just basing it off now again. We got to see what happens later down the road. DJ Chark, who I've tweeted about, I, I feel retweeted it, by the way. I just feel like people put too much into him as a rookie to the point where, like, the expectations just were, was ridiculous to begin with because typically rookie receivers aren't good anyway. So that being said, with a year under his belt and with Nick Foles guiding him, and again, I'm, I'm not the biggest Nick Foles fan, but he is an upgrade of over Blake Bortles, make no mistake about it. I feel like, you know, he's really helping DJ Chark come into his own. And then you see Keelan Cole making plays as well and Chris Conley making plays as well. I'm so confident, and I think T-Wig said this in this group, mainly because not just what they've shown, but they offer variety, variety that we haven't seen in a, a quite some time. They have the mix of speed. They have the mix of length. They have the list, the the um the mix of strength. When you you put in Terrell Pryor into the equation, Terrell Pryor out there looking like a tight end, basically, at his size. So that being said, I've been impressed with what they've done with Nick Foles. And I just feel like a lot of it is because, you know, it's just improvement in the quarterback position, which has allowed the wide receivers to focus on what they're really supposed to focus on as receivers, as opposed to underthrown balls and, and all of the issues that they dealt with with Blake Bortles. So that's where I'm at on that. What say y'all on it? All right. So one, Manti Teo is an available linebacker. Uh, the fact that you listed just Manti saying, Teo, I'm just saying he had a solid year with the Chargers. It is not outside of the realm of possibility for Tom Coughlin. Okay. So there's that. So if if he signs Manti Teo, I will bang my head on this table. In, in hopes that he's going to be the answer at a uh, weak side linebacker. Yeah. Okay. Sure. All right. <laughs> Two, week 10 is the bye week. So we'll check in with you on your Josh Allen and 10 sacks. Also, I saw him uh, Pews 
Oh boy, that was a very nasty move the man hit him with, and he had yeah, that looks nice. So I think that was uh that might have been Wester or Wales. One of it was them. Wells. Oh, Wells sure caught it. Was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he Wells caught it in that clip, and ugh, yeah. it's not ugh, it's not looking <laughs> good for Wells. <laughs> <laughs> now you see why I said the, mm-hmm. the Jaguars need Cam Robinson week one. They need him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. And in regards to the receivers, you say you don't understand why people are down about the group. They're all unproven. That's why. Yeah, I mean, and He's I think it's because a lot of, they don't have a, 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 a marquee name like a, a DeAndre Hopkins, too. Your most solid receiver is Marquise Lee. Who I'm not that high on, by the way. Well, there you go. Is you just asked no, because I haven't heard his name at all. He's not nah. back yet, right? No, he right. won't be back until a few weeks into camp. They don't know when. Yeah. So, but I'm saying that's your most solid, proven, consistent receiver is Marquise Lee. So everybody has a right to be skeptical about this receiver. But group. I, my thing is, to have anybody not seen D.D. Westbrook and what he did with? Blake Bortles, who was a who was bad at quarterback. That's my thing. Like we, it's like we it, last year was a blur. I mean, it should be because it was such a bad season. But like D.D. Westbrook, pay people. D.D. Westbrook killed the league with Blake Bortles as his quarterback. Here's my question: Are you looking in totality? Or are you looking in highlights? I'm looking at in totality. Are you me as as the managing editor of Jaguars Wire? I have to watch film. I have to. So this is a guy that D.D. Westbrook is – he reminds me in terms of, like, his ability and what Filippo had in, in uh, Minnesota. He he feels very Stephon Diggs-like. But the reason why he hasn't flourished like Stephon Diggs is because Blake Bortles is his quarterback. So that's my big thing about it. Like, I just think – I feel like people didn't pay attention to D.D. last year. Like, it's just – he just – what he did was nothing, and they're discrediting him. No, let's look at D.D.'s numbers last year. He played in 16 games, started nine of them. He was targeted 101 times. He had 66 catches, 717 yards, averaged almost 11 yards a catch, five touchdowns as long as catch was 61. He averaged about four catches a game. He averaged about 45 yards receiving a game. He had a 65% catch percentage. He averaged seven yards per target. I think he had three or four drops. Like I can make the argument, and I understand the argument you're making, but at the same time, you see D.D. Westbrook, and all you think is stop off. All you think is a couple plays where he takes the top off. No, man, like this is the thing. I don't just see him as that. Again, going back to the Stefan Diggs reference, I see D.D. Westbrook, especially in this offense with John D. Filippo, as a movable chess piece. I see D.D. Yeah. Westbrook as a guy that you can move into the slot, and it, he, that's where he was the most effective at. All five of his touchdowns, by the way, came from the slot. And now I look think at it from an outside perspective. And how? What? what you talking about as an outside receiver? No, as an outside personality looking at the Jags' receiving core, we've literally gone through and said there's about 21 members if you count the tight ends, and none of them jump off the page at you. Your best bet. Name wise is Marquise Lee, and just jumping off the page is D.D. Westbrook. But then you think of D.D. Westbrook, and a lot of people just think Oklahoma problems. You may have got a steal, he could take the top off. So they're unproven, is the thing that a lot of people are stuck on because, I mean, you have Blake Bortles. So it's like, 
Were they that good? Were they that bad? Is it a mix in the middle? Probably. Now you have Nick Foles. You allegedly have an improvement of quarterback and a more consistent quarterback. So it is on the receiving core and Nick Foles to see who is actually good enough here. And you're right. Chark is a rookie. Most rookies are subpar their rookie year. Okay, fine. You get a pass. You get a time to learn. Cool. You're not a quarterback. Nobody's going to kill you. Now it's time to step up. Because Mark Easley, I highly doubt, is going to suit up week one. No, he's not. And, I mean, this is the way I see it. We've said this before. Essentially, D.D. Westbrook and Mark – I can I can make the case for D.J. Chark as well. And this is why I kind of view it differently. D.D. Westbrook was a first-round pick, essentially. I mean, yeah, he was drafted yeah, in first the first-round talent. Yeah. Right. And so is D.J. Chark. They even said, hey, we graded this guy the first-round pick. We were scared as hell that he wasn't going to be there in the second round. So that being said, like this is how I'm looking at it. You got two guys that are first round talents who have shown the ability, at least sporadically or in in, in D.D. Westbrook's case, it was kind of consistent last year that have shown that they are are of first round magnitude. So that led me to believe like it wasn't them that was the issue. It was more so the quarterback position. And like, look, I get it. Blake Borders didn't have the most stable offensive line in front of him as well. Um, make no mistake about that. But all I'm saying, is I don't find it just that they they magically are good now that Blake Bortles has been replaced and that I feel like this should probably transfer into the regular season part personally. But I mean, I don't know where to rank them in terms of a passing game. I, don't, I can't do that right now. But I just I, I feel like people should feel like it's going to be a significant improvement at the receiving core because essentially you have two first-round picks in the core, albeit they were drafted in the second and fourth round respectively. And I, I think, like, you know, I think people are missing that part of it is they have the talent there and the talent has shown, has flashed in some cases. It's just the quarterback position is what will determine ultimately if they are who we think they are. Yeah, it's the whole potential only buys the groceries. You still got to go cook the dinner right. argument. Right. And I'm on the side of taking potential is only going to get me so far because if you look at Marquise Lee and if you look at the Robinson, the Allen brothers, all that was potential. That was like, hey, we should be getting a five-course meal almost every week. And right. for the most part, we kind of missed. So you can now you look at this group and it's similar to it of, hey, man, we got potential. We got two first-round talents. And then you got Keelan Cole, which is a diamond that we found out of nowhere, basically. And then you fit into Terrell Pryor. You have the pieces. So here's my thing. Let's look at AFC South real quick. Rank our receiving core. Second. The only only receiving core that's better than ours, personally, in my opinion, is the Texans. And that's because they got no. Texans, you have the Titans, you have us, and you have the Colts. Yep. Okay, so you're saying we have the second best receiving core. Yeah, I think, well, with with the Colts, T.Y. Is, to me is the only standout. I mean, I think they drafted Paris Campbell. But, again, we, that's talking about uh, he's unproven. We haven't seen him on the field. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, they got Paris Campbell. Don't quote me on that. And then they paid a lot for uh, Funches. Yep, they got Funches. All right, let me see here. Okay, so we have the second best receiving core, rate mm-hmm. the quarterbacks. Oh, we definitely got the one for third. Marcus Mariota is the best. one. Well, you know what? Like him and Marcus Foles and Mariota are so neck and neck. You know what? Bump it. I'll just say for now, Foles is third. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. Offensive line. The Titans. Indy one. Well, Hard yet. Tennessee, I think, a little better in terms of the offensive line. They got the bookends. Uh, yeah, so I would say 10. Uh, then Indy because of Quentin Nelson. Then us. And then the Texans have the worst. Uh, right, yeah, so but Phil have... was saying, well, who, how would you rank them, Phil? I didn't mean to cut you off. No, yeah, I, I would. I, I would say Indy and and Tennessee are change, interchangeable, but I think I, I I would rank Indy just a little bit higher. Right, but I think we all agree that the Texans have a worse offensive line than us. Okay, all right. So I guess you know it's coordinators. <laughs> Let's just get the whole puzzle here, so we can just um, paint a clear picture. Who I offensive coordinators? I don't know who is uh, who who. I don't know the other coordinators in it. I have Indy right now. Their offensive coordinator is Nick Serrani. 16 years experience. All right, well, just go head coaches then. Frank Wright, Doug Marone, Bill O'Brien, and why am I blanking on Tennessee? Um, what's his name? The Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel. Yep. Uh, Frank Wright. Everybody knows my belief in him. Um, mm-hmm. Frank Wright. Doug Marone. Uh, I was. I think Mike Vrabel is a better coach than Bill than O'Brien. O'Brien. Yeah, Bill O'Brien. Well, yeah. Okay. All right. So, second best receiving core, second best coach, third best arguably quarterback, third best um, offensive line. You you can see why people feel like this is an unproven squad receiving core and why they're slightly skeptical about it. Yeah, just I we just put all that it. in front of you. Yeah, I understand it, but I'm just saying, like these same people are the ones who just act like D.D. Westbrook didn't wasn't one of the best slot receivers in football with the worst quarterback in football. That's all I'm saying. Like I, I just feel like people are just overlooking the man. Yeah, third, fourth worst quarterback. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my God, I just defended Blake Bortles on this podcast. Wow, <laughs> that's all I'm saying, man. It's I, I don't wow. like a lot of people. I don't know if people paid attention to what he did like that. But you know, you know that's everybody's personal preference. But Phil, man, how you? How, I mean, oh, you chime in, man. How, how do you feel about D? Well, especially Didi in terms of his potential, and do you feel like people are like overlooking him? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. At, at the same time, James making a lot of good points because listen, this this team has lacked that guy. For, for a while. I mean, yeah, you can make the, the argument for Allen Robinson and Allen Ernst, but really that's a small sample size. You got maybe a couple years out of those two guys, and then that was pretty much it. Now you can attribute a lot of that to injury. Who knows what would have happened as far as our season if, if A-Rob was around for that mm-hmm. AFC title run. You, you never know. But we really haven't seen the kind of consistent production from the receiver position since you know the, the dynamic duo of, of Keenan and, and Jimmy. Right. It's been a while. And, and, and remember, early on, in the 2000s, we were just desperate for that guy. You know, you bring in yeah. Joey Porter or you bring in LaRon Robinson, you know, people, Tory Holt, all uh, these bodies, Northcutt. Dennis Northcutt, all these <laughs> names that just never panned out. So right. I think you're just looking for, you're looking at a, at a fan base that's just so desperate for that guy. Give us that guy for, and, and you've seen the Texans go through Andre Johnson and now DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. And then you, of course, Indy had, Marvin Harrison, and then they had, and, and then they had. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, why am I blanking on the other receiver? Marvin Reggie Harrison, Wayne. Reggie Wayne. 
you know. I'm sorry. Hold on. Hold on. Who? Who? Who did you say before Red <laughs> Mar- Mar- Marvin something. Never heard of him. <laughs> Never heard of him. Look into your. And then, of course, you know, Tennessee had whoever that receiver was that threw that forward pass in the you know in the playoff game. But you know, the, the, you know, other than that, like the the tie, you know, the Jaguars, we've just been searching <laughs> for that receiver. For, for, for long time. <laughs> I think Didi. <laughs> I just caught that. <laughs> I, I think Didi definitely has the potential, and, yeah. and same thing with with Chark. Mm. What I think what Jacob is saying is, which we need that guy to step out and be like, it's me. Mm-hmm. And we haven't had that guy. Yes, yes, Didi has put up those numbers, and he has he has those moments where he he's able to to break one. But we haven't had him take that. We, we want to see him take that next step, or anybody, whether it's Chart, whether it's Keelan Cole. We thought maybe it would be Keelan Cole, mm-hmm. and then you know he had the drop tastic year that that, right. that he had. Wait. So I, I think I think what what Jacob was trying to say is, yeah, there is a reason to be a little a little. I'm almost the word that I'm looking for. Skeptical. There's no alpha. I'll say it. There's no top dog in its receiving. Yeah, but how are you going to have that's that's my argument. How are you going to have a top dog with Blake? And we, you guys hate, I mean, y'all dislike Blake Bortles as much as me. How can you have a alpha with Blake Bortles? Nobody's got you can DeAndre Hopkins would look bad with Blake Bortles. Hopkins would look bad, but you would know that Hopkins is a clear number one. And you just made my argument. How can you have an alpha or a clear number one, a top dog with a horrible quarterback? Go look at the Colts when Luck's shoulder was dangling by a piece of thread. T.Y. Hilton was still the clear-cut number one threat on that team. And I couldn't tell you, other than Jacoby, who was quarterbacking for the Colts during that time frame. And that kind of comes back to this whole receiving core. There's no clear number one. Texans. Hopkins, Colts, T.Y. Right. Yeah, and I said that. I said they don't have a notable guy. That was one yeah. of the points. Yeah, I already said that was yeah. a thing. So and another thing is, uh, uh, one more thing that, that makes me believe in this receiving core as much, and I talked about this on the last podcast or the, the, the one before that. One reason, and for as much as people put faith in Tom Coughlin, and I've been a like a, a harsh critic of his, this is one thing that we can say about him. He can scout the receiver position. And when Phil was saying, you know, we've been desperate to find that guy since Tom Coughlin has been here. That's the reason I'm, I'm well, not pessimistic, but optimistic in this whole receiving core because Tom Coughlin scouted it. He was the guy that gave us thunder and lightning. And furthermore, not only that, but Dave Caldwell also. That's another thing. As much as I'm a critic of him and how the, a terrible job him and Coughlin have done in the front office. One one area that I'm not going to question their scouting ability is at the receiver position. I look at Caldwell's resume. It's Roddy White. It's guys like Julio Jones, you know. It's, and then with Coughlin, it's uh, Odell Beckham Jr., who he coached. It's uh, Manningham. It's Thunder Lightning. Yeah, like those those two make me believe and have faith that this receiving core is going to be the real deal, in my opinion. And I mean, like, yeah, I, I wouldn't trust them evaluating a quarterback that's great that's the crazy thing about it again tom coughlin people call him a quarterback whisperer no disrespect to tom but the fact of the matter is he's more of a wide receiver whisperer than quarterback whisperer he's a better receiver scout than he is with with quarterbacks that being said like i wouldn't don't i'm just saying when when the season over y'all don't be looking at me like oh you were right james like these these guys putting up decent numbers like that's all i'm saying don't worry, I won't. <laughs> no, no. I won't, because I'll be laughing, asking, "Where's uh, Josh Allen in his ten sacks?" 
<laughs> so let me ask you this, Jay, as far as, and, and, and you alluded to it, we have a very crowded room when it comes to between, if you, when you, especially once you include the tight ends, and we're going to get to maybe a name there on, on as far as the opposite side of this, as far as stock down. Really quick before we move on to those players, who is the odd man out of this receiving core? Because we're going to get Marquise Lee back at one point, and mm-hmm. I, I believe that they're going to try to work hard to integrate him back in the offense. Who is the guy that's just going to be the odd man out as far as touches because there's so many to choose from? You just said it, Marquise um, Lee. He's going to be the odd man out. And Jacob, <laughs> Jacob even admitted he don't think the man's going to make the roster. In terms of they're no, gonna no, I said a big well, he he's gonna be on short term IR is what you said. Yeah, yeah, and this so is how I see it. so he's the odd man out. But go ahead, you you can go ahead. For me, if I'm looking at this roster, it goes Marquis Lee. Say what you want, injured takes him forever to get there. He's still the vet. Marquis Lee, Westbrook, Chark, Cole, Pryor. Anybody after that is cut with the exception um Brady. He's the he may be the eye man out, Who and that? he might end up as a returner. Who? Uh, Brady. Tyree Brady. Yeah, he'll be practice squad at worst. I mean, like he could make the roster, but if he doesn't, he definitely going to practice squad if somebody don't swipe him. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't see. It's got to be Marquise Lee. I don't understand how he's going to come into training camp. What? Maybe two. To in two more weeks or so, get in sync with Nick Foles and make this roster. By the way, and again, don't quote T Wig on this, by the way, but I was listening to a lot on Jackson. And T Wig said he not that he looked like he was walking gingerly, but he got the feeling in terms of just looking at Marquise Lee walk around the facility that he doesn't know if he'll, you know, be ready to go week one of the regular season. So that's just a little tidbit to, again, we're not going to quote him on that. He's not a doctor or anything. That was just a personal observation, his opinion. So that being said, Marquise Lee has to be the odd man. Now, not only could he miss six weeks being on IR, when he comes back, how are you going to get in sync with a quarterback that you barely ran routes with and caught passes from? It's, it's, no, it's without a question, Marquise Lee. So that being said, I'm looking at off the top of my head right now um yeah Marquise Lee probably will come back late into the preseason uh but they'll probably IR him because he probably won't be in sync I don't care if he's a veteran or whatever the case may be the oldest guy in the bunch it doesn't matter because he's never like again he's trying to get in sync with a new quarterback that he's never been in sync with and it's a new playbook so my faith in him is very very small in terms of them getting anything out of him this year so I'm thinking who makes the roster? It would be DJ Chark for me, Phil, um, DD Westbrook, uh, let's see, uh, Chris Conley, Keelan, uh, Keelan Cole, I would say Terrell Pryor, Pryor. Yeah. and probably, you know, if they IR, Marquise Lee, it would probably be Tyree Brady if they want a six receiver, and you would think they would want a six receiver to be safe, personally. <sighs> well, we'll see how it pans out and. You know, I, I think we'll know pretty early on who meshes the best with with the new quarterback. So, of course, with the positives, there always has to be the, the downside, Jay, and who has gone out there and really just made you say, uh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, I won't necessarily say some of these guys was like, Ugh, you know what I'm saying? But, um, but one that definitely uh, I've heard a lot of criticisms on this guy, and everybody seems to be in sync with this, and that was Cedric Garbuji. 
and or Abu He. I, forgive me if I'm pronouncing it wrong. But that being said, Cedric is a guy that a lot of people had eyes on uh, because John Filippo kind of praised him in minicamp and OTAs, right? So that being said, you know, of course, the pads weren't on. Like a lot of people weren't putting a lot into that. Me and Jacob were, if I can recall, me and Jacob talked about that. We were two of the people that didn't put a lot into that. But that being said, now that the pads are on, he's looking like the guy he was in Cincinnati that, you know, struggled. That was a high. If I recall, he was a first round pick, a late first round pick that never really panned out. So um, he was one of the guys that I um, read and I've heard that um, Josh Allen beat up on. Uh, so that's not good. And he said, I mean, even aside from that, he just hasn't looked good. So he was one. Um Geoff Swaim is a guy that's kind of been, in my opinion, just he's kind of been quiet. Um, I've heard about him having uh, multiple drops even with, with contested catches. Uh, and that's kind of alarming because now we're looking at a situation where people are calling for Josh Allen or Josh Oliver, excuse me, to be the number one tight end. Uh, in this offense and, you know, with Nick Foles and John Filippo, that's a lot to ask of a young man, a rookie, to come into this equation and be the number one guy as the tight end. But Josh Oliver is talented as all get out. He has the potential. I'm just saying I just wouldn't bank on a, a tight end. Just like DJ Chark struggled last year, I wouldn't really bank on Josh Oliver having a good first year like that. But he could prove us wrong. Uh, he could be one of those guys that go against the grain, so to speak. And then lastly, it's Tanner Lee. To be honest with you, like the quarterbacks behind foes kind of have kind of been hit or miss. I, I mean, Gardner Minshew, from what I hear, has his flash. All of them have had their moments. The problem is all of them look like they aren't of a backup magnitude or, or caliber aside from maybe Minshew because, and that's because, you know, he's really young. So it's kind of hard to judge him at the moment, but let's, let's talk about the veterans here or in uh, Magoo's case, second year veteran between him and Tanner Lee. A lot of people are saying, Hey man, Magoo's the clear cut, better quarterback of these two. And it, a lot of people have even gone on as far to say, I don't understand why Tanner Lee hasn't been cut yet. To be honest with you, that's a frequent thing around the web and Twitter and, and what have you. So that being said, I mean, I'm thinking what people have been seeing is the Tanner Lee that me and you saw last year, Phil, when we were going to practice. And you too, Jacob, you were there as well. We weren't all that impressed with him. It sounds like the growth hasn't been there from that year one to year two. And uh, yeah, a lot of people are really questioning why he's on this roster. And it, it's just I think it's telling that the Jacksonville Jaguars haven't been going about the quarterback situation in the right way. Yeah, you got Nick Foles, the starter, but like at some point, if you want to solidify that backup quarterback spot, you can you have to stop depending on six round and seven round picks and, and undrafted guys and, and people that you plucked off somebody else's practice squad in Magoo's case or or plucked from the Seahawks. So like you you have to at one point you gotta put a third round or second round pick into this quarterback position or you're gonna have this very shaky, skeptical situation behind Foles, uh, which, I mean, quite frankly, isn't good because if Foles, God forbid, we're going to knock on wood, we don't wish injuries on anybody. If something happens, uh, we're, we're looking at a very scary situation. As much as I like Gardner Minshew and believe he has the tools to develop, I don't know that I would trust a rookie uh, out of the gate, especially if Nick Foles were to be injured this year. So, 
that's uh those are my three stock downs. Uh, yeah, you know those saying if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. Apply that to our backups. We have no backup. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I just looked at free agent quarterbacks who are available, mm-hmm. and apparently Phil just decided to take a deep dive in the static land. Yeah, <laughs> what Yeah, yeah, you still there? Yeah, yeah, you still there? <laughs> Without you, you know, got taken away, but it's all good. <laughs> no. But um, the current free agent quarterbacks, according to Sports Track, Josh McCown, mm-hmm. Matt Castle, mm-hmm. Geno Smith, mm-hmm. Mar Sanchez just retired and took an ESPN check. I ain't mad at it. Me neither. Josh Johnson, right? Brock Osweiler, Brandon Whedon, Trevon Boykin, mm-hmm. and Landry Jones, right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, one of those guys is better than Tanner Lee, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. No. Yes, Allen is your best bet. Did you just say nobody on that list is better than Tanner Lee? Though? All right, here we go again. Let's just break this down. You trust Brock Osweiler more than Tanner Lee? Yeah, All right. Brandon Whedon. No. <laughs> I, I can't Landry even remember Jones. Brandon Linder. Landry Jones. I would take Landry Jones over Tanner Lee. Absolutely. No. Josh I Johnson. Yes. Geno Smith. Yes. You know what? I'm just going to leave this right now because clearly y'all out y'all minds. Both of you. What, 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 what Tanner Lee have you seen, though? That's me and I think Phil oh, would no, agree with this, right? I'm not saying he's good. I'm just saying none of those are better than him is the point I'm making. What? They're, they're all on par. I, no, there is no, no par. On, there is no on In 2019, par. I am giving the ball to Geno Smith as a backup quarterback. Trayvon Boykin is the only one on this list, and that's because he's unproven for the most part. Him and McCann. McCown, and McCown is 40 years old and he's just trying to cast a check to hold right. a clipboard. So yeah, that makes him. sense. Yeah, they, I mean, they probably don't have, they don't want to put that kind of money into McCown, probably. That's it. I'm not yeah. trusting Brock Osweiler. He couldn't get right in Houston. He couldn't get right in Denver. Twice in Denver, if I'm not mistaken. Right. But I mean, I see where you're coming from, though, Jacob. Like, it, you, you don't see a significant difference between those guys and him, right? Exactly. Hold right. on. Matt Schaub is still available. I take Matt Schaub over him, man. Forty year old Matt Schaub? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So basically <laughs> there's it's nothing like Right. You basically are better off going to go trade for somebody. Let me see who has a solid backup quarterback that will probably be willing to let them go. Or who's gonna get cut that might be available. Yeah, that's going to be the big question. Um, although, although I will say this, Magoo, from what I hear now, does have the ability if he has a good preseason to overtake uh, Tanner Lee. But I would, if I'm right now, if I'm, I'm a betting man, I would say they probably want Gardner Minshew to be that number two guy. If if Brian it's Hoyer, them. there you go. Brian Hoyer, who? Where is he? Forty ers who who are their other quarterbacks? Um, Garoppolo and some kid out of Iowa. Yeah, why would they give away Brian Hoyer and leave their backup kid out of position? Iowa like? look really really good. Who is he? Bethard, Bethard, 
Bafa. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, him. PJ, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You make Case a point. In Washington, Case will cost too much for Colt a backup. And well, they got Colt and Haskins. So yeah. Oh, here's my personal favorite, Tyrod Taylor. Where Where is he again? The Rams. He's with for real. I'm trying the Chargers. Wrong Los Angeles. Oh, I was team. about to say, wait, he's but you mean to tell me he's behind Blake Bortles? No, no, he would be ahead of Blake Bortles. Oh no, nah, yeah, you you can you can mark it. He ain't going nowhere. I mean, I don't. Why would they? Ooh, my, what does Philip Rivers? Philip Rivers doesn't miss a game. He got ten kids. He he can skip a childbirth. But he yeah, that's so, They're such a they they are a Super Bowl caliber team. That's a that's a I'm, risk that I'm I wouldn't. Say, yeah, I wouldn't take that probably, risk. Though. Make that call to the Chargers, and you could probably pry Tyrod away if you needed to. Maybe. Also, also, you have um Bridgewater, but you know we all know how that goes. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about. I mean, I I love Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know that the Saints will be willing to part ways, but I would love him. On, I mean, definitely above Tanner Lee, man. That's just my argument for quarterbacks right there. So, yeah, I, I think I feel like it's a good call. That if it's not Gardner, then the the backup quarterback probably isn't on the roster right now. I, I think that's probably good. Right, right. And I, again, I think we, we should probably hope that that's the case. Actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, like I said, it, I, I think we might be discounting Magoo a little bit too much. I wish I could see him in person, but he'll be a guy watching in in the preseason. But clearly. You and I and Phil all know that it's probably not Tanner Lee, and I would think Tanner Lee's time is running out. You know what? You're right. And I just found a list on SB Nation where they ranked everybody's backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. Via tiers, tier one is guys who could start in worse situations. They have Jacoby Brissett, Tyrod, Bridgewater, Nick Mullins, Tannehill, which apparently is the backup for the Titans, Case Keenum. Tier two is the bridge to the future. Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, Josh Rosen. Tier three is career backups. Brett Hundley, Matt Barkley, Chase Daniel, Drew Stanton, A.J. McCarron, Chad Henney, Brian Hoyer, Trevor Simeon. Veteran mentors, Matt Schaub and RG3. Tier five, former starter who no longer or never did have it. Blake Portals, Mike Glennon, Blaine Gabbert. Tier six, here we go. Possibly in our long-term tans, but possibly long-term plans, but possibly not with the shrug, smiley face, emoji next to it, Will Greer, Nate Sudfield, Josh Dobbs, and Gardner Minshew. What tier was that now? Six. Yeah, okay. Nate Sudfield, that's disrespectful for him. There's one tier below it, which is tier seven, young guys who look in no way ready. Jeff Chiskel, Cooper Rush, Deshaun Kaiser. There you go. Go go pull Deshaun out of Green Bay. Sean Mannion and mm-hmm. Paxton Lynch, who I forgot was still in the league. If I can recall, Nate Sudfield, who was in the tier above that, is like a lot of people think he he has great potential. Like he he could be one of the better backups in football. So that I don't He's know. He's also one of the highest paid backups in the league. Yeah, so clearly the the Eagles believe that he's a solid backup too. That's an, another telling sign. And I mean, like the Eagles have proven to be okay in the scouting department. So I don't know, like that that just stood out to me. Like I don't I don't know if I would agree with that. Nate Sutfield is making three point one million. He is the sixth highest paid backup. The highest paid backup is Teddy Bridgewater at seven point two, Tyrod and Chase Daniel coming at six. Mm. 
Keenum is 3.5. Colt McCoy is 3.3. Holy crap, Washington has a whole lot of money tied up in their back, in their quarterbacks. Yeah, they've had to because of the injuries. Yeah. Well, you can make the argument that the highest paid backup in the league is actually Nick Foles, but you know, we won't get into that here today. We're talking about other other things. Uh, well, listen, guys, <laughs> uh, of wow. course, we're going to find out more about these, these guys. That's my quarterback, man. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to find out a lot about these guys in the preseason. So but let's move on to our final topic here before we, we close it out. And it really has a lot, to, uh, it has everything to do with our, our, everyone's favorite cornerback, and that's. Mr. Jalen Ramsey, who was very recently uh, quite upset with his ranking on the t- NFL's top 100 list. I believe he came in at number 27. Channel his inner Fred yeah. Taylor. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much he, he came in at number 27 on uh, the list that the that NFL Network does every year. And he said something along the lines on, uh, you know, he's very blessed, but on God, there's definitely, or on my daughter, sorry, he said, that's what he said. <laughs> uh, definitely not 26 um, players in the league that are better than him and it's and if, if you go to social media and and see the the comments under the you know under the under these posts you know you have a lot of other fan bases chiming in and it seems like a lot of people are all of a sudden turning against Jalen Ramsey even though he didn't come out this year and you know bash every single quarterback that he's going to play against <laughs> right. but still they're finding a reason to have a problem with him and I think Jalen is probably one of those guys where you, you love him if you have him but you can't stand him if he's on the other team and I, I know we're obviously very happy to to have that, have him here, but you know he has gotten in trouble with with his mouth from here and there. But what do you guys think? What is what do you think it is about everyone all of a sudden just just seeming to have a problem, and he, he's all of a sudden become this target from other further fan bases in the league? Go ahead, Jacob. Oh man, um, where can I start with this? As far as other players and other members of the media having a problem with Jalen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll take him in a heartbeat over your corner. So there's I was that. Just by the, bro, it, the same people who dislike him from other teams are the same people that'll go back and say that that'll buy into the trade rumors of Jalen Ramsey and say, I would love to have him on my team. They the yeah, first one. As far as yeah, as far as fan bases hating him, I mean the man's a corner. The man this is nothing new. Me and you talked about this last podcast, Jay, with him coming out the Brinks truck. Mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey has been the same person since high school, as far as I'm concerned. He's going to run his mouth. He's going to back it up. He's going to run his mouth again and remind you that he ran his mouth and did what he said he was gonna do. <laughs> right. So the man is mad, he's twenty seven. I probably he's probably a top twenty, top fifteen player, if we're gonna be completely honest here. But you know, last year was a quote-unquote down year for him, so I can understand the 27 ranking. All you did was just give fuel to a fire to a man who really does not need any more ammunition. And I really wish the NFL would do what baseball does, where they ha- allow players to put their nicknames. It's like a it's like Little League weekend or something where they throw their nicknames on the back of the jersey. The NBA did it for a little bit. Because mm-hmm. I'm willing to bet Jalen Ramsey would put he hate me on the back of his jersey. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. at this point, the whole league hates him. And it's honestly because he won't shut up. He just, it comes down to shut up and play ball. And Jalen's like, nah, I don't think I will. I'm going to talk some trash and play ball. And then I'm going to talk some more trash to you. So, <laughs> I mean, hey, it's just people, it's the, oh, I love it when he's my guy because he's fiery, he's competitive. But when it's on the other side, he's annoying, he's entitled. 
it's the whole double standard hypocrite, two sides to the ball, yada, yada, yada. We get it. Look, man, you'll take them if we trade them, but we won't. So get used to it. He ain't going to shut up. <laughs> yeah, he is who he is at this point. Um, I think, well, one thing that Jacob didn't really mention, um, and I think Phil kind of alluded to, is uh, uh, most, now we'll agree that most Jazz fans love Jalen. But there are some Jazz fans, too, well, at least from what I've been seeing on social media, who really don't like him and can't stand him and think he's a quote-unquote cancer or a nuisance or this, that, and the other. And I think one reason for that was the the money comment he made with Leonard Fournette in the video. Now, this is my thing about it. Everything he said, and me and Jacob have talked about this in the past, about one, his money is fair. Because at the end of the day, the NFL is cheating people out of money. They're end of, I feel like, I mean, you know, fans are entitled to feel how they want, but fans should agree with them because not only is the NFL cheating players out of money and they won't open up their books for that reason. That's a CBA issue that we'll talk about for another podcast. But not only that, but they're also cheating us as fans. So in a roundabout way, when Jacob, when, when Jalen Ramsey said what he said about one, his money and one debate to break the bank, in a way that we should we should be down for that, in my opinion, because, like I said, the NFL is holding money back from us as fans, from them as players. In a way, we, we really are in the same boat as the players because they're doing the players dirty and they're also doing us dirty as fans too, taking all of these these, you know, city made dollars and putting them into stadiums when they are the billionaires. So. That being said, like for the Jags fans that don't like Jalen Ramsey, I, I really I don't understand it. And another thing is like he talks the talk, but if you're a Jags fan, you, you want to see him go out there and walk the walk, which he does. So he deserves to be able to go out there and talk noise because he this guy was an all pro. Okay, he what him and Calais are the only two all pros that we had on the team. I think Marcel Darius might have been an all pro like many many years ago. But that being said, he's an all pro two-time pro bowler in what his first four years of playing this guy deserves to talk all the noise he wants because he backs it up and when a player backs it up nobody should have a problem with it uh, whether that's the fans or you know maybe Tom Coughlin has a problem with it we would assume so because he's a guy that he's a show me through actions guy but Jalen Ramsey has done just exactly that he's shown us through his actions that he is uh, he, he is who we believe he is, and he is a guy that backs up all of the all of the talk that he does to this receipt these receivers out there. Uh, essentially, he's a guy that can do all of that because he is a elite player, really. When you get down to it, so um, I don't I I really don't understand the backlash from our personal fans on Jalen Ramsey. Now the league, like Jacob said, I understand that. You know, I, I'll tell you what it is from personal fans. Mm-hmm. Because I'm willing to bet not to cut you off, but the same people who have the issue with Jalen and the I want my money comments mm-hmm. are Jalen and the your quarterback is trash, he's trash, your receiver is trash, I'm going to shut you down. All of that are the same people who, for the better part, and this has been proven across history and stats, mm-hmm. they're very much along the lines of shut up and dribble. Why is LeBron jumping all over, running all over the court, celebrating right, his yeah. son? At a- God, don't even- saying, I'm willing to bet, and if I'm wrong, please, any of you that are listening to this, please tweet it at me. It is at underscore J-D-E-L-A. 
Facebook. I leave a comment. I will go find it. Please tell me that I'm wrong, that you don't like him talking because it's something other than those reasons. Because if you say, well, he should just be quiet and humble, that falls under the just shut up and dribble. Because I just want you to do what you are supposed to do here and nothing extra, even though that extra is part of the game. Because him running his mouth is psychology. It is. It literally took AJ <laughs> Green out of a football game. I was literally yep. 20 yards away from it mm-hmm. in the stands. AJ Green never loses his school. Never. Right. right. You I mean, AJ I'm a Green Georgia fan. I've watched him. I watched him. Helmet on. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Psychology is a part of football. The, your mental makeup is a part of the the pen. The tweet I have pinned on my uh, Twitter page to this day, and I left it there. It's DeAndre Hopkins. He he kind of looks flustered, if you will, when he was asked about Jalen Ramsey. You know, I, I pinned that tweet to show people that, hey, you know, that psychology plays a big role into or could now, DeAndre Hopkins has gone out there and been successful against Jalen Ramsey. And same for Jalen. He's been successful against DeAndre. But I just pinned that tweet to say psychology is a big deal in football. And your coaches will tell you that, too. Like, it, the coaches, you have to have the mental capacity to either, if you're a quiet player, as I was, you have to have the mental capacity to take people talking noise to you and going out there and just proving to them physically what you can do. Or... I mean, if you if you're if you're a player that's talking the noise, you got to go out there and prove that you deserve to be, and you're you're the guy worthy of talking the noise. So, yeah, Jacob, you make a good point about psychology. Yeah, and which you actually mentioned something about how it's part of the game, and coaches tell it to you. I'm willing to bet that a lot of these people again either got cut or weren't good enough to run their mouth. Because if you ran your mouth, you probably got burned. There's something where, and I've learned this from coaching AU, just looking at sports, playing sports, you can understand these things. You start to see that there's something in a person where if you don't, I don't say, I don't have to say you don't necessarily enjoy or encourage the noise and the trash talking, but if you find it so offensive and problematic that there's a deeper issue with you and less about the person that is being loud and obnoxious. Because if he's just going out here saying, man, F you, F you, boom, boom, whatever, yada, 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 then you have a valid argument of shut up and just play ball. Right. But if this is just him going, he's trash, my quarterback's better than him, I'm not worried about him. I don't even know who he is, but I'm probably going to pick him off. I can go shut him down. It's part of a job. I have never seen a single corner that is quiet and humble. <laughs> I mean, that, they exist, but yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they are few far in between. You have Gilmore in New England, and that's probably about the first one that can come to mind. Even Revis talked a little bit of noise. Right. Right. So, yeah, I think you have to, uh, if you're going back a little bit, is you have to talk as a receiver you might can be a little quiet but you know as a as a cornerback a part of you needs to be able to psychologically get into a receiver's mind I mean because you are the game is already being played against you the odds are against you because of the offensive rules and basically the it favors the receiver so you need some kind of an edge or whether that's psychologically or whatever the case may be you almost need that as a, a defensive cornerback and that's what I was going to say, too. I mean, the, the cards are, are the decks already so stacked against you as a DB mm-hmm. and on defense, really, in general, you know, the offense is just so 
so coddled, you, you know, you make an argument that it's, you just have to take any kind of advantage you can. And my whole thing is, I, I remember one comment that stood out is like, man, this guy really isn't, isn't even going to be, you know, one of the all time, time grades. You know, my corners were, you know, they are, they didn't talk, they didn't talk this much. They're talking, they brought up, you know, Champ Bailey and, and Charles Woodson, guys like that. And then on the list, they put Richard Sherman. And I'm like, did you see Richard Sherman? Are you, right. Did you ever hear Richard <laughs> Sherman or I'm ever watch him play? What are you talking Why he does not belong on that list <laughs> right. as far as people that were quiet? I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like, listen, man, like, like we've already said, one of the guys that you, you're probably annoyed with if he's not on your team. But also look at the other thing. It's not like Jalen's out getting in trouble. There's, there's guys on his own team that have been that have gone out and gotten in trouble. It's not like he's he's he doesn't he doesn't go out to LA in the in the off season and go hang out. He goes home right to Tennessee and and trains and hangs out with his family. Mm-hmm. And you know we don't hear about him really as far as in the in the off season except for if he does an interview here here and there. And like right. you said, what is he supposed to say? You know, he he's, right. he believes in himself. He believes in his talent. He's proven that he can get it done on the field against top flight receivers you know of course like, as you mentioned he's him and deandre have gone back and forth in, in terms of having their positives and negatives but he's gone up against you know antonio brown and and played great he took on rob gronkowski you know to, uh, right. head to head he's he's proven that he is a top flight corner and i think this this ranking right here was meant to try and humble him but just like jacob said you're giving him ammunition that he didn't already need Right and, right, and and that's what I think you're going to see out of him this year. And this may end up being one of the best things that happens to the team mm-hmm. is, is this ranking. So yeah, I, like I said, it's just, he's he's a guy that believes in himself, and there's nothing wrong with that. And Jacob, what you said about the type of person that's probably against what, what he's doing, you're spot on because I, I guarantee you that's who, who it is. Yeah, yeah if I I'm would wrong. Agree. Please show me. Because I, I, nobody's going to be able to prove you wrong. Nobody. But like, another thing about this wrong, list too, y'all. I, and I doubt anybody's going to be able to prove Jacob wrong on this. Another thing about this list, though, if, you know, if anybody want to get mad at anybody about this list, it's the players voted for this. So it's his peers that made, they concocted this list. They compiled this list. So that being said, like, if anybody want to go off on anybody, tee off on the, not the Jags wire or the sites that post this, but tee off on the, the players that voted for the top 100 list because it wasn't up to us. And if it would be, of course, you know, Jalen would be higher. So um, some, some other things I want to touch on real quick is, you know, a lot of people that also don't like Jalen, I think they, it's a misconception with them. They think he's selfish. And the fact of the matter is the guy is a team player. You ask his teammates, they love him. You know, that you you see him in the press conference saying, hey, I want Yannick to get his money. You see, and, and also in that video where he was saying he want his money, he was also saying, I want to see Miles Jack get his money because what the Jaguars are paying him is ridiculous at this rate. And, and for what they've gotten out of him, which I think it's like two million dollars or something. Is, is ridiculous and he made a joke about miles having to make candles to, as a side hustle to to make up his money but no in, in the same light what he was saying is hey he miles needs to get paid too because he's not being compensated fairly either and you know he, he said that for yannick in the last press conference that he was in as well so the guy is far from selfish you look at all of these training camp videos when the DBs are breaking up passes and he's on the sideline watching the second and third string guys break up passes. He's the first guy out there dapping up your, 
you're, you know, you're Savion Smiths of the world. You're, you're uh, Quentin Meeks. He's the first guy out there congratulating him. Like, Hey, good job. Like keep that up. So like this whole thing about him being selfish, that's a misconception. And two, yeah, there's never been any indication that he, that that's how he is ever. Yes. Never, and two never. off the field, like Phil said, he's been nothing but great to the community. Uh, most recently, the story that I put up that a lot of people, a lot of people didn't want to comment on that. But as soon as he talks noise or gets out of a Brinks truck, they're the first one to <laughs> comment on. But the, he he went out and it, there was this family in a, um, a apartment community that got burned down in Jacksonville. Phil probably knows what I'm talking about. It was in the local news. They're staying in hotels. Jalen Ramsey paired up with a um, a local a cafe or um, restaurant in Jacksonville went to give those people words of encouragement. So this is a guy that off the field, he also is a good Samaritan off the field that cares about the community community clearly. And, and a guy that when you look at from that, that aspect and not being selfish, as I said, and his teammates loving him, I think a lot of people just are a little bit misconceived when it comes to him as a person, when the fact of the matter is he's really a good guy. Yeah. And just one last thing. If you look at Jalen on the field, the most he'll do is clap and wave his hands like he broke up a pass. That's it. If you want to call him obnoxious, whatever, (laughs) taunting, arrogant on the field, Calais Campbell swings a baseball bat every time he gets a sack. Right. Which one is more intimidating, more obnoxious, more offensive? However, you want to categorize it. Uh, <laughs> Let me ask you this: three hundred some pound man swinging a metaphorical baseball bat, or a six to two hundred fifteen pound give or take corner going no catch? Let me ask you this, Jacob: Have you ever seen a mic'd up session of Jalen Ramsey? <laughs> yeah yeah he is a little obnoxious on the field and that's fine i can recall i think uh, actually it was in the top 100 clip uh he made a tackle on a cowboys receiver and they were losing that game of course they got the break speed off of but he slung the receiver to the sideline so violently and he told the receiver get your ass off the field like you now he's obnoxious on the field out now that i will say but again that's fine All right. But here's, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, Jalen being mic'd up. Brady's been mic'd up. Nobody says a word. Right. But he ain't nearly as obnoxious as Jalen, though. It ain't, it's, Brady is 10 times worse than Jalen. No, it's Look at, Have you seen Tom Brady consistently go at his coordinators over the years? Like, that's... Yeah, no, nah, I have seen that. All the time. That's what I'm saying. Brady on the field is 10 times worse than anything Ramsey has done. Brady almost rate, makes Ramsey look like a choir boy. Almost. So it becomes one of these things again where I ask, is it deeper? It's deeper than a football matter. Like if you can sit here and say Brady is passionate when he does that. But anytime, say a Des Bryant or anybody else does it, it's, oh, they're complaining. They're ungrateful. Oh, they're this, they're that. But if somebody like him or Philip Rivers, better yet, Philip Rivers never cusses. But if you listen to him mic'd up, he <laughs> yes. might as well be cussing you out. He, he's a and joy he's to watch on him mic'd up, too. Yeah, and he's in your face, mm-hmm. everybody's face. The lineman, his own lineman, officials, coaches, and nobody <laughs> says a word. So I just want to know. Tell me what is what. Right. That's a fair, fair point. But, uh, yeah, he's definitely a misconceived player. 
and a guy mm-hmm. that you know, well, albeit we, I don't know if he wants to remain in Jacksonville or not, but that's just beside the point. But uh, he's a guy that I feel like fans should be very uh, happy to have on this team because he's a dime in a dozen in terms of performance and everything else that comes with it. If it's not Tyreek Hill like stuff, then it, you just you take that baggage that comes with it. What what price is that to pay to hear? Uh, a monoxious cornerback go off on his opponents. What price is that to pay for having uh, the number one corner in football? A very small price to pay. So that's where I'm at on it. Yeah, that's all my corner does is just stop noise and goes home in the offseason. And take care of the community. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, man. I'll talk. Yeah, guys, it's you know I think it's just something that's probably we're probably going to see more of the the, the more he, he talks, and I think it's great that he's just still going to stay who he is and, and remain true to himself, and uh, you know we'll we'll uh, we'll continue to to go to bat for him. But uh, but yeah, guys, those are our topics for this week, and a lot of really good discussions that we were able to to get into. It felt great to get back on with you guys, and then you know shout out to y'all for 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 holding it down, and we'll uh, we're just I think we're all just very happy to be back in the swing of things and, and getting some football. So Jay, Jacob, you know, what, what are you guys working on? What, where can everybody find you? And, and then we will close this thing out for this week. Go ahead, Jacob. Um, right now, just doing my thing. Um, I swear I'm eventually write something for the Jags wire again. <laughs> I think uh, probably before the preseason starts, I may go through and break down and rank some of the um, positions, probably start with the receivers since that seems to be our favorite topic here. But right now, I'm just writing for Steel Crew. Just put up a piece about Samoa Joe and why he is the most Teflon thing in WWE, and he is money and can't miss. And other than that, I'm just writing and just doing little things and just popping up here, writing shotgun with you guys. So, you know, more of the same old, same old. Yeah, um, for me, I got to continue with training camp coverage, of course. I didn't even get a uh, – and that just shows you how work hard I've been working. I didn't even get a – takeaways or a training camp rundown for today which was day six which actually uh was the last day the public can attend but uh fear not i'll try and get that up before the day is up but um yeah just expect more training camp takes um what the preseason begins what is it next week and we'll be taking on the, the baltimore ravens going up there and getting some quality competition that's jacob's team by the way his other team i would assume you're a ravens fan over a jags fan right <laughs> Yeah, I mean, make you feel better. I had the Jags tickets when I was in London, so. There you go. Okay, there you go. It'll be the Tanner Lee show next week, guys. Make sure you tune in. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, we're going to have to see Tanner Lee go up against RG3, and I don't know who else is on, who else is the Ravens backup. But, um, yeah, that'll be, uh, I mean, we'll finally have some Jaguars football, albeit preseason football. But we will have Jacksonville Jaguars football to talk about and cover on the Jaguars wire. And um, that's pretty much it. All right, guys. Yeah, and then that's for me. You know, just just a, uh, doing a lot with the Wait For a Podcast. We'll be, Eric and I will be down at Tampa Bay Comic Con this weekend. So if you're going to be there, let us know. And uh, a couple of giveaways and all that kind of stuff going on. And I also do have a show somewhere in Palm Coast or something like that. I don't know. It's 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 been a while since I've been <laughs> Wow, bro. And I'll let you guys know. I haven't been super invested in it. I should probably do that. But it's somewhere down do there. Do better, man. <laughs> do better. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, you know, that kind of gives you an idea of where my, so, my head is at. To so those of you going to see <laughs> Phil and Palm Ghost, we apologize in advance. We really do, man. I'm pretty sure you can get refunds from the uh, promoter as well. <laughs> God, or hopefully Phil. there's somebody else on the card that you want to see. Somewhere Listen, down getting, there. I'm still getting uh, I'm still getting the money and the meal, so I, I don't, it's fine. Whatever you guys want to wow, do. But, Phil, hey. what, a, what a message to put on the Jags Day podcast. Oh, yeah, I'm getting the money <laughs> and I'm getting some free food. You know, well, I mean, I thought that's why we we all did this was for was really for the for the buffet tray that we want to get. Yeah, to. we did want to get with Bojangles. We talked about <laughs> that on the last yeah. All right. Well, hey, make sure you're, of course, you're checking out the website at jaguarswire.usatoday.com. Jags Den podcast on Twitter, the Jaguars Wire on Twitter, as well as Facebook. Of course, Jay is at sportsbrand underscore Don. Jacob is at underscore Jay Della. And of course, you can find me at Phil the Filipino, F I L I P I N O. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, and check us out on the Audio Boom Network via USA Today. Well, guys, thank you so much for all the support. We appreciate it. We're excited to talk to you guys about more Jaguars football. We'll see you next time. Everybody stay safe out there and go Jaguars. Miles Shack wasn't down. <laughs>